The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at babbel.com slash bluewire. That's 60% off at babbel.com slash bluewire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash bluewire. Rules and restrictions apply. We are live on the Roto-Wire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Fantrack's I'm Drew Silva. With me here is Ryan Boyer. It is the afternoon of Saturday, March 11th. We'll continue our category preview series on this episode with home runs. Um, in some of our other category preview shows, I almost find myself apologizing for the the stat that we're discussing, like pitcher wins, antiquated, hard to project, runs scored. Those can tend to be very situation and teammate dependent ERA, there are a couple better ways to evaluate individual talent for a pitcher than ERA. But yeah, now we get to do home runs, which is unquestionably the best result of any at-bat for a hitter, if that even needed to be said. Um, Ryan, home runs, good or bad? Discuss. <laughs> Very good. Um, the old hard, uh, hit, hard, hard hitting analysis. Yeah. I mean, we were the last category you and I did together was wins, which as you mentioned, that's, you know, I understand why we do it in fantasy, but not a great way to measure one's one success, but dingers, man, everybody loves dingers. Chicks dig the long ball, right? That old commercial is still, still relevant today. Yeah. Uh, Before we jump in on that, let's uh, run through a couple of mid spring headlines. The world baseball classic is underway in some pools, Team USA getting started here on Saturday night. Um, what time is that game? Do you know? I'm not sure. I put you on the spot. Yeah, I don't know. it's on Saturday night. Um, I mean, yeah. it was it was. I've enjoyed watching like Japan and Korea so far. Um, I, I don't know. I, I I like the World Baseball Classic because at this time of the spring, I'm just tired of watching meaningless baseball games. So it's yeah by. I feel like I've talked about it on on every episode that we've done so far, but it's like, I don't know. After a couple innings of like the first game, the first grapefruit league cactus league game that I'm watching, I'm like, all right, like when does, when does the season start again? I know you um, get so, you get so amped up and then you turn it on. It's like, eh. <laughs> yeah, this is not kinda, what I was by looking the, for. By the, by the third inning, you're kind of, kind of done, but yeah, the world baseball classic is like, there's people in the U S like it. I, I'm one of them, but it's just so fun to see internationally, like how much they get into it. Like the fans just go absolutely crazy. I love that they like when their team is batting, they're just like going wild. And when their team's pitching, it's just complete opposite. It's like a 
goes completely silent. It's just they're really into it and got just fun activities during the game and all that. And it's pretty cool for the sport. And there's, I mean, anticipated to have huge crowds for some of these, um, like Colombia, Venezuela, mm-hmm. um, and like the games in Miami and Phoenix are apparently selling a lot of tickets. So that's good to see some people at that ballpark there in, in Arizona. Um, some a bad week for for injuries, man. Yeah. Like it was uh, the Yankees. Yankees camp got hit. Phillies camp got hit. Some of their projected starters, or you know, maybe future starters. The Rockies, like they might not even be able to field a team this year. Um, what's the lead story from camps in, in Florida and Arizona? Probably Andrew Painter or, or Rodon, Carlos Rodon's with the forearm strain. Yeah, I think probably Rodon. Um, I mean, the Yankees are predictably downplaying it, saying it's relatively minor strain. If this were the regular season, he would be pitching through it. And I don't doubt that that's true, but we're also talking about a guy who is not known for his ability to stay healthy. Um, so any arm issue has to be a, a one level of concern. It, the Yankees mentioned that his last spring training start, it may have been his only spring training start, that they purposefully told him to dial back the velocity, which maybe that's true. But now after the forearm issue comes, comes out, that's kind of makes you wonder. Um, as we know, forearm issues can be a precursor to uh, elbow issues and Tommy John um, don't want to jump to conclusions quite yet, but you know, again, Rodon, not exactly a, a bastion of health during his career. Yeah, I wrote up that note for Rodon. Uh, was that whenever that that news was released with his diagnosis, and mm-hmm. I noticed that the previous note on him was about how the Yankees told him to to dial back the velocity, and I was like, "Is there a tie-in here?" Um, <laughs> but I, I didn't want to make that leap. So probably Clark Schmidt takes that rotation spot. They've kind of already indicated that's the way they're going to go. At least I would say it's probably going to be through all of April, and and who knows? Like you said, forearm strains um you don't always make a hundred percent recovery it's not necessarily the easiest rehab process and it can cause issues with other parts of the arm as well so clark schmidt a really talented guy who who showed well mostly in relief last season do you see him as like a fantasy riser for you it's probably going to be toward the end of a draft maybe like later rounds where you would take a chance on him but he's got the stuff like there's some swing and miss in that profile yeah, I mean, I think he's a fine as a as a late round flyer. I'm not sure how deep he's going to be able to pitch into games. Is mm-hmm. like you mentioned, mostly in relief last year in the majors. He didn't throw a ton of innings in the minors. He did start uh, exclusively at AAA, I believe, last year, and put up great numbers there. A little less so in the majors, but still good. Um, uh, like you mentioned, his stuff is good. I, I think he's probably more. A stream, potential streaming type option, and if the you know by the time Rodon makes it back, I don't know that Schmidt is going to be stretched out enough to go more than four or five innings. So, yeah, a, a late round dart throw, I'm fine with that. You know, between Rodon and and Frankie Montas, there's going to be you know openings in that rotation. Domingo Harmon pretty much already had a rotation spot. Um, locked up, I think, after the Montas news. But he's he's a guy who's posted a good ERA last year. Um, strikeouts were down, though. He's got some home run issues. 
I think he's a little bit more stretched out probably than Schmidt. So from that perspective, maybe he's a little more interesting early on in the year. Um, but yeah, I think both of these guys are probably more late round flyer material. Makes you think about the Yankees off season and even going back to the trade deadline last year, like they, they dealt away some of their starting pitching depth, Jordan Montgomery for Harrison Bader, who's another guy that's hurt. Yep. A lot of a lot of oblique issues around camps for sure. It's kind of typical this time of year, but I I get why the Yankees didn't have like a huge offseason. I didn't feel like they needed to do a ton. I know for a lot of Yankees fans, it's like World Series or bust, but they had a pretty successful year last year and a lot of those names returning. Um, so I, I felt like getting Rodon and it was like a, a, a pretty it was like a B, a B minus for an offseason. It was all right. Um, but now you're looking at it, it's like, man, their their pitching depth is really going to be tested. Um, I mean, I, I think if they could do it over, they they'd probably try to find a center fielder in free agency and and hang mm-hmm. on to Montgomery. Um, I mean, this is I don't know with the Bader situation. I, I think it's a really nice fit for him there in the Bronx, but he just hasn't really been on the field enough, you know, for for it to be an, an impactful move. And with this oblique. It's going to be a while before he does get get on the field for them again in 2023. Yeah, I've, I've, he seems, you know, like a fairly popular kind of sleeper pick, I feel like, because he's been, you know, stuck in St. Louis in a pitcher-friendly ballpark his entire career. But like you mentioned, he's really had trouble staying healthy, um, and he's got this other injury, this new injury to deal with now. I know the Yankees would prefer not to put judge back in center field. Um, They might have to a little bit. They might move Aaron Hicks back to center field. Um, Estevan Floreal is out of options. He could be an option in center. I know they Boone pretty much guaranteed that Rafael Ortega was going to make the opening day roster. He's also an option in center. We haven't heard a grade on Bader's oblique strain yet, but hopefully it's going to be relatively short absence, but, uh, yeah, injuries certainly hitting the Yankees hard. Um, Andrew Painter, the news on that was that he should be able to avoid surgery. They're going to go the rest and rehab route. I feel like it was weird that it took him over a week from when he first experienced discomfort for them to come out with a diagnosis. I mean, some of that is just like, all right, he's getting second and third opinions. He's a huge – the probably the number one pitching prospect in all of baseball, incredible minor league numbers and only 19 years old, but there was talk of him making an impact for the Phillies this year. Um, I, it's probably too early to say that's not going to happen, but I'm going to go ahead and say that's probably not going to happen. I think they're going to be very careful with this situation. And when he does get back to pitching, it's going to be in like extended spring games. Um, and then at like, you know, their Florida complex league affiliate. And it's going to be kind of a slow climb back for him. If if we do see him, I think it's going to be like very much down the stretch. And I think the focus now moves more toward 2024, possibly the opening day rotation in 2024 for him. Yeah. I mean, I think he had, he had an outside shot to make the opening day roster this year before there was chatter. There was chatter. Yeah. You know, Dave Dombrowski, he's uh he's forever of flags fly forever for lots of lots of forevers um gm so um yeah i mean painter is going to be out multiple months not going to throw it all for four weeks um and a sprain is a tear you know it could it seems like it's a a low grade a low grade tear so maybe he can pitch through it his 
potential rotation mate Aaron Nola. I know had a partial UCL tear years ago, and he's been pretty durable since then. It can happen, but yeah, I think we're mostly looking to Painter and Dynasty now. I think in redrafts, he's there's a, just a ton of risk there. Ranger Suarez had a little bit of a, a soreness issue, but it, it seems like they're downplaying that too. So yeah. um, hopefully, yeah. <clears throat> did you have more of an update on that? No, I, I mean, I saw the same thing you did. He, yeah. you know, pulled out of the WBC. Um, they think it's relatively minor, but, you know, again, talking about a forearm, you got to have some, at least some level of, of concern there. Yeah. I mean, that, that Phillies rotation, like, I, all right, I love Wheeler and Nola, um, but there's going to be some some depth issues there if if either of those guys go down, or even if they go into the year, it's going to be Nola Wheeler, Taiwan Walker, um, Bailey Falter maybe takes that number five spot. That's kind of the, mm-hmm. the chatter right now. Um, so yep. they had the reigning NL champs having a little bit of, I don't know, maybe more future issues than like immediate concerns. Yeah, I, I like Falter a little bit. Um, the stuff isn't like overwhelming, but he's got incredible control um spoiler alert i think when um chris and i do our our whip podcast tomorrow falter might be might have his name come up because he's because that control is pretty pristine um but he's you know a more of a, a low ceiling kind of kind of guy but yeah the depth in that rotation certainly certainly being hit they need wheeler wheeler and nola to stay healthy for sure the Dodgers with Tony Gonsolin too, they're going to k- kind of take that slowly. That's an ankle sprain, right? Right. So it's it's nothing to be too concerned about, but he's probably not going to be in like the the first couple of series. I, I think he'll probably open the season on the IL just because they, it seems like they want to play this really carefully and they have the the pitching depth to do it. Like Michael Grove, Ryan Pepio um, could take starts early on. I don't know if those guys are interesting for like a, a standard redraft season long league because you don't know what kind of role they're going to be. They'll probably be like swingman types throughout the year. That's kind of mm-hmm. how the Dodgers operate with like their number four, number five spots in the rotation. I really like Gonsolin. Obviously there's a ton to like there. Um, and I think he's, sh- he's still draftable and maybe will even come. It maybe even is like more appealing because he's going to fall down from where he was. Cause he'll have yeah. that little red, red tag okay. next to him. Yep. 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 I'm into it. Yeah, it, I mean, the must have been a fairly significant sprain. I didn't hear any official diagnosis on that. But, you know, when Roberts comes out and says, we're going to take this slowly, that's it makes me think he's probably not going to be in the rotation in April. Um, we're, maybe in the coming days we'll have a more clear timetable. But, yeah, I would be more interested if they gave Bobby Miller um, and uh, – blanking on the other guy Gavin Stone those guys are more interesting as far as their pitching prospects go but and I know they came out and said that Miller's not going to pitch in any right cactus league games um they're kind of taking things slow with him since he had a big uh build up and workload last year so yeah I the way the Dodgers operate as you mentioned I, I can't imagine Pepio and uh you know Grove having being you know, pitching too deep into games that they both have Pepio especially have control issues as well. So that's going to be a factor in going deep into games. So they're more uh, guys to monitor. I think if you're in a deeper league, a 15 team league, maybe throw a dart at them. Also on the Dodgers. Good to see Miguel Vargas is, is swinging a bat in a game. Finally, 
he had, he, he was on like a no swing restriction for their first week of, of cactus league games, but still managed to draw like four well, walks. Yeah. Felt like he <laughs> was leading the cactus league in walks. Even yeah, though he couldn't that, swing a bat. <laughs> that's why we get tired of spring training baseball. Um, but he was, yeah, he, he was cleared to swing a bat on Thursday, um, and had a nice hit, I believe a, a double, a hustle double. Um, so that's good to see. I, I really like him as like a, a deep second baseman. I mean, that, that category gets kind of falls off a cliff pretty quickly. Um, and I know he didn't light it up last year in the majors, but great minor league numbers, like a really intriguing offensive skill set. probably going to bat pretty low in that lineup. Um, but I think he has the, the skills to, to put up some counting stats, even if he's like hitting eighth as that lineup turns over a lot. Right. Yeah. I, I love Miguel Vargas. I mean, there's a little bit of a question, I think with that power tool, but the hit tool mm. is fantastic. And those kind of guys, like those elite prospects like that with great hit tools and the scouting report says kind of the power could be maybe a little iffy. Those guys have a tendency to kind of figure out the power thing at the major league level. And I think he could definitely do that. Yeah. I, I love Miguel Vargas as a, he's climbing up ADP wise a little bit, especially with the news that he's going to be kind of cemented in there at second base, but yeah, love him as a target later in drafts. Speaking of power, should we get into it? Yeah, let's do it. All right, I got a couple, a couple live reads to knock out first. The fantasy baseball season is underway and there's no better place to play than underdog fantasy. The easiest place to play fantasy baseball Right now, Underdog has MLB Best Ball Tournaments live, including the Dinger, which has 500 grand in total prizes. In Best Ball, all you are doing is you join a contest, you draft your team, and that's it. There are no waivers, no trades, and no in-season management. Draft 20 rounds of players and get the best cumulative scores in your starting lineup. Three pitchers, three infielders, three outfielders, and one flex each week of the regular season. Getting started is simple. Go to underdogfantasy.com, sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and get $100. I lost my place. (laughs) Sorry. Sign up with the promo code RWMLB, and not only will Underdog double your initial deposit up to $100, but you'll also get six months of our RotoWire subscription for free. Again, that's Underdog Fantasy promo code RWMLB. Draft your 100K Dinger team today. And if you're looking for a place to customize your fantasy league and play a variety of formats, we cannot recommend fan tracks enough. Create the scoring systems that you want to play with. Tweak how waiver wires work, categories, scoring system, schedule. Fantrax offers custom solutions for all of that and more, and it's all free. I'm in a slow draft on Fantrax right now with you, Ryan, actually. Um, and that specific league has different ideas about you know how the scoring system should be run, what kind of roster positions we want. Um, it's nice to be able to input all of that stuff to your own taste, to your own league mate's taste. Uh, sign up for free today and be entered to win an official MLB signed jersey from Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Simply go to Fantrax.com slash Rotowire and sign up today. That's F-A-N-T-R-A-X.com slash Rotowire. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The headlines remind us daily, the world is a dangerous place. The elites in charge say everything's fine, stop noticing, but you know better. And your gut knows that time is short to prepare for a world that is four missed meals away from chaos. My Patriot Supply has helped over three million families become more self-reliant and is the company Americans trust to prepare. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure their best-selling three-month emergency food kits. Each contain delicious breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Secure at least one food kit for each family member. For a limited time, save $200, plus get free shipping on all their Ready Hour 3-Month Emergency Food Kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour Foods. My Patriot Supply also has solar power generators, water filtration units, biomass stoves, heirloom seeds, and critical survival gear. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com All right, let's get into home runs. Finally, sleepers, busts, deep league options for dingers. Uh, The leaders in that category from last year, let me run through the the top 20 real quickly. Obviously, some some big names here. Aaron Judge with 62, a new AL home run record. Kyle Schwarber had 46. Pete Alonzo with 40. Trout, Austin Riley, Jordan Alvarez, Christian Walker, Mookie Betts, Paul Goldschmidt, Rowdy Telez. Shohei Otani, Matt Olson, Anthony Santander, Corey Seager, Vladimir Guerrero. Again, you can win his signed jersey with fan tracks. Uh, Manny Machado, Anthony Rizzo, Willie Adamas was kind of a surprise, shooting up there to 31 home runs. Giancarlo Stanton at 18. Eugenio Suarez had 31. Nolan Arenado with 30. Reese Hoskins with 30. That rounds out the top 20. Um, I don't know. Any names stick out to you there? I mean, it's kind of kind of obvious stuff i mean the thing that sticks out most to me is that judge had 16 more home runs than everybody else and then there was another gap too with with schwarber you know he had six more than the next closest person so also looking at that leaderboard um a lot of those guys are kind of the stat cast behemoths and i feel like if we're going to get the dead and ball, D juice ball, whatever you want to call it again in 2023. And I think we probably are, you know, I can't put anything past major league baseball. They're uh, they've proven that they can't really be trusted in that regard. But I think the, the deadening of the ball, the, you know, the humidors is installed in different parks, the more emphasis this year on speed. I I think it's all a theme here. I, I, I think they want, more balls in play, not as many, you know, three true outcomes, lots of home runs. And I think in that kind of an environment, the guys that are just monsters on stat and stat cast perspective, the barrel yeah. barrel rates, the 
you know, max exit velo guys, they could have a significant edge um, because they don't need that. It doesn't matter what the ball is made of basically for them to hit home runs. Uh, you know, judge had a, a 26.5% barrel rate last year with his, which is just insane. Um, you know, Schwarber, a lot of those guys you see on that list, you run off, um, just hit the ball incredibly hard. I think they could be in position to take advantage. You know, see the smaller guys, the, the, we used to see be able to hit opposite field home runs in 2019 and with the rabbit ball, um, not really happening, happening so much anymore. So I think those guys that have the st- the standout stat cast data could be even more standouts from a, from a home run perspective, just as judge and, you know, Schwarber and those other guys showed last year. Yeah. I mean, there've been a lot of runs so far this spring. I, the pitch clock has really, I mean, it's created action. I love it. And Man, we're gonna have to like give Rob Manfred credit for like saving baseball. I feel like I mean I've got like family members who don't usually watch spring training games who are like, I I love this pitch clock. You know, it's it's I I think it's gonna be a really great thing for the, the sport in general. I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing it at like other levels of, of baseball too, like amateur ranks. I, I really think it 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 just it changes the sport and, and makes it more exciting. And you know, pitchers can't like take all the time they want and load up. Um, the batters have had to adjust to that. Like I, they're the ones that are getting dinged for it more early on, but they've quickly adjusted. Like I believe this past week there was like 1.2, um, what are they calling them? Violations per game. And like in the, in the opening week of, of spring games, it was more like there was two every game or, or like 1.8. So it's, it's already dropping. I think everyone's adjusting to it real well. The WBC guys though, they're playing in games without a pitch clock. So it's, if you yeah. go to the finals in that, you're going to have I don't, not even a full week of games before you have to launch right into the regular season. That could be in a bit of an adjustment period, but these are very good athletes. I think they'll be all right. Um, let's look at some some betting odds leaders for to lead the league in home runs this year. Aaron Judge is the favorite at plus 550. Why not? Mike Trout at plus 850. Pete Alonzo plus 900. Jordan Alvarez plus a thousand, Kyle Schwarber plus eleven hundred, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. plus twelve hundred. With they've made Rogers Center a, a little more hitter friendly. Um, I, I kind of like that play if he can stay healthy. Um, Austin Riley plus thirteen hundred, Fernando Tatis Jr. plus fourteen hundred. That's just kind of to create action, I guess. I don't know. Uh, Shohei Otani plus fifteen hundred, Matt Olson plus nineteen hundred. That's an intriguing one. You have this list up, right? Is there any like long shot plays that you like? O'Neill Cruz at plus eight thousand. That's that's the one I was going to say. <laughs> I mean, speaking of speaking of Statcast darlings, I mean he's like basically on par with Aaron Judge as far as Statcast goes. He's got the hardest hit ball in Statcast history. the The range of outcomes with him is. Yeah, pretty pretty vast, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility that he hits forty plus home runs. So, yeah, plus eight thousand. I might might have to lay a little sweet action there. Five bucks on it. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I'm looking Juan Soto plus three thousand. He's not 
usually like a raw power hitter. He could certainly do it. Uh, Eloy Jimenez is kind of a sleeper at plus 3,000. Yeah, if, I like I mean, that he, he, He's healthy and like apparently in great shape. I mean, I know that doesn't mean a lot to a lot of people this time of year, but he like bulked up. He's ready to be a, a power hitter. Or he actually like got leaner because he wanted to play the outfield, but he's just in really good shape altogether. Um, there's a couple other names on this list, but some of them are my sleepers. So we'll we'll just jump into that. Um, get us started, Ryan, with with a sleeper that you've identified in the home run category. Yeah, so the first guy I wanted to talk about is Tristan Casas, um, former top prospect. He, the number overall numbers with the when he got up with the Red Sox last year, not super, but 1069 OPS, three home runs over his last 13 games. He had a 20% walk rate um, and a pretty digestible 24% strikeout rate. I think that's always a good sign when a hitter that green can come up and, and show good plate discipline. He's kind of known as a kind of eccentric kind of hitting savant type like a, he's been compared to Joey Gallo in that regard. I don't know if you mm-hmm. saw the that article that came out the, about his pregame routine. Um yeah, and how he was falling asleep in um in the clubhouse and sunbathing on the field and stuff like that and it kind of rubbed veterans the the wrong way. Insert. Nelson Cruz takes naps. I mean, yeah, it works for him. Yeah. He's got his own nap room, but yeah, I think the Red Sox have more problems than Tristan Casas taking a nap. <laughs> right. Yeah. But it's part of it with Casas because the, the stack has data was okay for him. Um, part of it, I will admit is kind of anecdotal a little bit and kind of narrative. Like I just trust that he's like a, hitting savant like i mentioned like he really studies and um i think he's going to be able to figure it out uh so uh, peppering that green monster sending sending balls over that green monster is going to be uh something that i think he'll be able to do um or that short porch and, and right too yeah curve it around that pesky pole i, I that's I, right i i love it's not really a do. short porch i should say but yeah that, that yeah, little yeah. inlet right yeah I, i'm i'm I've been targeting him a lot as a, a corner infield option. Once I have first base covered. Uh, Hunter Renfro is first for me. And he's a guy who shows up there on the, the betting odds leaderboard. I, I closed it out. What was it? It's plus 6,000 to lead the league in home runs. He's kind of known best for hitting homers. Like, so he's not much of a sleeper with that reputation, but this is a really good middle round power bat at an average draft position right now in the 150, 160 range over the last six seasons. Renfro has averaged 36 home runs for every 162 games played the last two years between Boston and Milwaukee and OPS of eight 12 spread across over 1000 plate appearances. And most of that, a lot of that OPS comes from the slug rather than the OBP. His on-base skills can leave a lot to be desired. Uh, but now with the Angels, part of, I guess you'd you'd call it like a future forward-thinking trade away from the Brewers so that they didn't have to pay his $11 million tab in arbitration. Um, and he's not a perfect player, we can say that. Um, but when he's healthy and in the lineup, he's usually hitting bombs. Renfro was 86th percentile in exit velocity among all MLB hitters in 2022. 
if the Angels can have better luck uh, with keeping their stars healthy, the RBIs should be there too. Probably slot Renfro into the the number five spot in their order behind Taylor Ward, Mike Trout, Shohei Otani, and Anthony Rendon. That's pretty good if things go right, and they have some depth in that lineup too. If if some things go right, and and Chris and I were talking about. You know how there's a lot to like in that Anaheim rotation as well. Maybe like this is the year where all the talk around the Angels is about Otani's impending free agency and that he's likely to leave, and they finally actually like meet expectations for once, and they get Trout and Otani their first playoff wins. Uh, those two belong on the big stage. They're on the WBC stage right now, and and Renfro can be like a a key cog in, in helping them get there with with that lineup depth. Um, he's going to hurt you in batting average. You you know that going in, and it obviously gets dinged in fantasy leagues that count on base percentage. But the power total should be there at the end of the year, both home runs and RBIs. I really like him where he's being drafted right now. It just feels like a safe plug them in outfielder and, and you're going to get 30 bombs and, and maybe 90 to hundred RBIs. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you on the angels, by the way, I, I kind of actually like them this year. And one other thing with Renfro angel stadium, I feel like doesn't really have a reputation as a hitters park, but it really has been. Yeah. Um, I think as far as right-handed home run stat cast uh, park factors, it's actually the same as, uh, American Family Field, I believe it's called now. So in Milwaukee, uh, yeah, yeah. So uh, I think at first blush, a lot of people are going to think, "Oh, it's a ballpark downgrade," but it actually might overall be a little bit of an upgrade for him. So yeah, I like uh, I like the Renfro call. Next guy I, I want to get into, um, Michael Conforto. I think you and I would probably both agree that if he's healthy, he's going to be fine. Um, and it certainly seems like that's the case. You know, he's finally over the shoulder issues. Um, home run in three straight games during spring training, showing off that rebuilt shoulder, I guess. Uh, he averaged 29 home runs per season from 2017 to 2019. I feel like he's, it feels like he's older than he actually is. He actually just turned 30, so he's the- theoretically still in his quote unquote prime um, his, his draft cost is really not a big issue right now. I think he might come, start to come up a little bit now that he's showing he's healthy, but he's yeah, been playing the outfield that. now. So um, that shouldn't be an issue. Um, really like Michael Conforto is kind of a, kind of a bounce back guy in 2023. Yeah, I agree. And I think that that ADP is, it's not going to tell you the whole story of where he's actually going to be drafted come draft season. Like, yeah, he's hitting bombs in giants camp. You know, the shoulders healthy. Um, he had trouble with like some throwing accuracy early on in giants camp, but everything is fine now. And, you know, they could slot him in at DH if they need to, like he's, yeah. he's, he's going to bring it with, with the offensive skills, man, this uh, Mizzou Alabama game is nuts. I don't know if you have it on. I know you're a Mizzou fan. I don't have it on. It's, it's kind of killing me. So, all right, we'll, we'll, we'll run through these real quickly. Uh, Brandon Lau is is my another guy for me. It might be easy to forget about him with with all of the bad injury luck last season, but he's healthy and, and raking apparently in, in race camp this spring. Definitely healthy and apparently raking. I should say one sixty ish ADP for a guy who has gone top one hundred in drafts in like the very recent past. 
Um, it can be difficult to find power at second base, like we talked about, it, which just adds to the overall appeal for me with, with Lau this year. Only played in 65 regular season games for Tampa Bay in 2022. Just eight home runs, 25 RBIs, a 691 OPS. But between 2019 and 2021, an 870 OPS in a sample size of more than 1,100 plate appearances, 70 home runs, and 287 games in that three-year span. Well, two and a half year span. Um, he fell just shy of 40 home runs in 2021 alone. Definitely a player that could benefit from the ban on shifting too to help his batting average. And the power is going to be there, you know, as long as he's not on the IL. And it's not like there are serious durability issues with Lau. Again, he's a full go this spring. We'll see what the lineup spot winds up being. The Rays like to change it up a lot, but it's safe to say that he's going to be within the top four and probably just moving around in that top four. Maybe best suited for cleanup given his offensive profile. So like Yandy Diaz, Wander Franco, Randy Rosarena hitting right in front of him, filling up the pond. Um, I love the home run and RBI, RBI upside at, at the current draft day cost. I'd consider it a great feeling to plug Lau in as my starting second baseman. Um, with the power that he brings at that at that position, sure. Um, you know, I mentioned the the stat cast darlings that could be elevated more in this offensive environment. Uh, Brandon Lau has a fourteen percent barrel rate in his career, <laughs> uh, which is a huge number. Only eighteen players had a higher barrel rate than that for just two thousand twenty two. So it gives you an idea, you know. And again, that's his entire career, not just. Uh, you know, one season. So love the Brandon Lau call. Another guy I feel like has kind of gotten lost in the shuffle. Um, Marcelo Zuna. Hmm. I mean, he's obviously got his deficiencies. Uh, I think he's pretty much DH only right now, but Brian Snicker has come out and said that he's going to have a role in this team. I think he's going to get regular at bats. Um, his 162-game average with the Braves, 34 home runs. I do not expect him to play 162 games, but I think 30 home runs for Ozuna is within the range of outcomes, and his he, I mean, he's dirt cheap in, in, uh, in drafts right now, going outside the top 300 picks right now. So basically, uh, basically free, and outfield is not uh, as deep now as it has been in the past so is that true yeah i i, I kind of think it is <laughs> <laughs> well it's um, hard it's 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 hard to say because there are so many it's like i don't know it's like saying I'll starting say pitching is as... yeah I'll, I'll say this after like the top 25 or so like there's a huge glob of guys that like might be good yeah i don't know if you true. can you know necessarily count on it but there there's some that are going to be very good but you just there's fewer like money in the bank types, I think, in the outfield. And Ozuna, if, I mean, if you can get him as your fifth outfielder, I think that's a that's a pretty good play. There's a lot of guys that just feel like they're the same. Um, but I I wonder how you know the potential big spike in stolen bases might change that landscape. It's going to be a really interesting season for fantasy. It's, it's a lot of the stuff's hard to project how the new rules are going to the bigger bases are going to affect everything. Um, we're kind of learning along with the rest of you. 
Yeah. Um, Josh, Josh Young stands out for me. Uh, his first showing in the majors was a little rough. Lots of strikeouts, a 204 batting average, a 235 on base percentage. Uh, but he did connect for five dingers in his first 25 big league games with the Rangers. The power's there. He was coming off a major shoulder injury. So the lack of consistency at the plate, I think, can be excused a bit from a couple different angles. Um, now he's further and further away from that shoulder injury. He should be locked in as the Rangers' everyday third baseman out of the gate. In his 153 total games in the minor leagues, Young batted 311 with a 919 OPS, 30 home runs, and 118 RBIs. Again, that's in 153 career games in the minors, spanning from the Arizona Complex League to AAA. The guy can hit, um, and he's already shown that with two home runs in the Cactus League so far. ADP in the low to mid 200s. I'm going to guess that he'll be rising as like prime fantasy draft weeks approach, but, and we're, we are getting there quickly. Um, I, th I think Young's really interesting. I think the Rangers are kind of interesting in general. They've certainly spent a lot of money over the last two off seasons. Seager, Marcus Semyon, Jacob deGrom. Uh, let's see if it pays off for them, but I, I really like Young as kind of a, a post type guy going into this year. Yeah, I'm into it. I'm I'm kind of throwing 2022 out for him, you know, coming back, as you mentioned, from a major surgery. And he did hit for some power, um, but the strikeout rate, you know, it wasn't really an issue for him in the minors. I, I don't think right. we need to worry about that. And I think at third base, he's going to have plenty of leash. So, yeah, I like the I like the, the Josh Young call. I see uh, in the chat section, Matt Gibson mentions uh, Brandon Belt as a potential Target for late, late home run. Toronto. I'm kind of digging that. Yeah, I like that um, too. You know he he has mentioned like this is the best his knees have felt in a while. We certainly can't count on Brandon Belt staying healthy, but how many home runs did he have in 2021? He a lot, he, crazy in like a limited number of games yeah. or something. Yeah, and like few fewer than 400 plate appearances. Like if he's healthy, is uh, Admittedly, a major if, you know, I think he is going to pile up a good number of home runs. So I like the, that call. Yeah. The Blue Jays have said they're going to DH him. So he doesn't mm -hmm. have to play on the, the turf. You know, they have right. dirt. He doesn't even have to, to set foot on, on any of that turf. I, if he's healthy, I think he's in. A, he's a great sneaky power bet. Hitting like sixth in that lineup, just cleaning yep. up the RBIs. I, I hadn't, I mean, I, I've, written a few things about belt so far this spring, but I, I haven't really considered him as a fantasy asset until now, but I, I love that call. Yeah. First base is so deep that you don't necessarily have to, to get down that, that deep unless you're in 15 plus teams. But yeah, if you are, I think that's a Brandon belt's a good call. You want to let's go deep. You, yeah. You got some deep league options. Yeah. Speaking of, of deeper leagues, you know, one guy, Nolan Gorman, um, you know, uh, the Cardinals, as you know, have some things to sort through as far as playing time goes. Um, I'm not sure exactly how it's going to shake out for Gorman, but off to a nice start this spring. You know, he can play second base. He can DH. Uh, he had 30 home runs, over 501 plate appearances between AAA and the majors last year. Lots of strikeouts, but he also had a, you know, I mentioned the 14% career barrel rate for Brandon Lau. Uh, Nolan Gorman's last year was 14.4%. You know, I think betting 
on a 22 year old with that kind of barrel rate who can has that much thunder in his bat is a pretty good bet to make as far as a late round flyer goes. Um, they're talking this spring about how he's been working on altering his swing a little bit to get to the high fastball. And, you know, he's hitting well so far this spring. So I like Nolan Gorman as a, as a late round flyer. Yeah. It's, it's weird how quickly we give up on the, these guys like, right. All right they get to the majors and they're not perfect. Uh you know, Spencer Torkelson is a guy for me, a deeply yeah. option. It feels like everyone gave up on him really quickly for the the pedigree that he brought. Like number one overall pick in 2020 out of Arizona State, a consensus top five prospect leading into the 2022 season. He made the Tigers opening day roster out of camp last spring. And then, yeah, he had a rough go of it as a rookie. But it's weird that we're not even hearing like much post-type chatter about Torkelson at all or at least not what I'm seeing. I mean, this is like industry usually loves post type guys. Mm -hmm. There were some, some bad signs with him granted, like the basic stats, the advanced metrics, the lack of even, he wasn't even like really a good singles hitter. Um, a two Oh three batting average, a two eighty five OBP three nineteen slugging percentage in his first full major league season. But, one positive, he did come in okay in terms of exit velocity, 78th percentile in both average and max exit velo among all MLB hitters. That's kind of encouraging when he did make contact, and he's been connecting with authority so far this spring. I believe he's already up to 10 different batted balls at 101 miles per hour or better so far in the Grapefruit League. No homers yet, but a few doubles. During his first pro season in 2021, Torkelson hit 30 home runs with a 935 OPS in 121 games between three different levels of the Tigers minor league system. I don't know. I mean, the, the Tigers really need him to be good um, yep. in, in the long term, but like immediately would be nice too. And and I think he'll get there and, and maybe it happens this year. Like he's been too good of a, a power hitter at too many different places going back to college. Yeah. Um, for it for it not to happen eventually, and basically a free dart throw with an ADP in, in the high three hundreds, right around three hundred, um, high two yeah. hundreds, early three hundreds. I'll fire that dart late in a draft. Sure, you kind of stole a variation of that of the spring training stat that I was going to bring up too with Torkelson. I know there's not they don't have the what is it TrackMan or whatever installed yeah. in at every stadium but, yeah. parks, but. As far as the parks that do have it, I saw that uh, Torkelson, as of a day or two ago, I think was leading the entire Grapefruit League in spring training barrels. Yeah. So, pretty good sign. Um, like you said, he's going super, super late, and there's dimension changes at Comerica this year. Um, maybe that's going to help a little bit. They're not like massive changes. It's not like Camden Yards as far as they push the fence back, but. Certainly could help. Um, another guy who's, I think, might be kind of going into the spotlight a little bit. You know, Brendan Rogers, unfortunately, shoulder injury. Looks like he could have season-ending surgery. Ryan McMahon is going to slide over to second base, open up third base. I think the Rockies could go a number of directions here with what they do at third base. They signed... Mike Moustakas, nah. <laughs> they also have Nolan Jones, who... Um, I, I like Nolan Jones. Yeah, he's been playing some outfield, some first base, but his primary position in the minors was third base. 
I'm going to go with Elihuris Montero, though, as a, as a deep sleeper. Um, 28 home runs in 2001, 21, and 2022, over 481 plate appearances. Uh, strikeout rate was an issue, but it wasn't really in the minors. He's still only 24 years of age, so I think he, that he can improve in that regard. Had an above-average line drive rate, above-average fly ball rate. Obviously, that could play well at course Field. He's not known as a great defender, so that could hurt him um, as far as locking down that third base job. And they do kind of have a potential platoon, easy platoon there with Jones as the left-handed bat and Montero as the right-handed bat. He might be on the short side of a platoon. But if Montero does get that regular playing time, I think he's got some some upside, especially in that thin air in Denver. Yeah, I'll, I'll throw a little more course field effect in the mix with Michael Tolia. Um, the more injuries that happen in Rockies camp, the more Tolia is assured of an opening day roster spot and probably an everyday role too. I mean, if he can hit his way into one, there's yeah. definitely a, a path there for him to get that. There, there was a whole lot of swinging and missing with him in 2022. 44 strikeouts in his first 31 major league games, I think around 120 plate appearances. So that's that's a big rate. But before arriving in Colorado late last summer, 30 homers and 114 games between AA Hartford and AAA Albuquerque. He worked on his barrel accuracy and timing to the ball over the offseason. That can be a common spring training trope, like, you know, the best shape of his life stuff, or he's adding a pitch, you know, we know all the storylines. Um, but I read that article. I think it was, it was on the athletic and totally at least seemed very aware of what he needed to do to improve what went wrong for him in his first taste of major league action last year. And yeah, with Bouchard and Gritchick and Rogers and already out for a while due to injuries. And you've got Chris Bryant with plantar fasciitis too. Um, there would seem to be that path that Tolia needs to get regular at bats. ADP's in the 500s, essentially a waivers guy. You don't necessarily have to draft him. I think he's someone to keep an eye on um, in deeper leagues. Who, if he gets that everyday job, he's got the power to make it count in that in that very favorable hitting environment in Denver. Well, I know you're. I know you're driving the. Jerks and Profar uh, bandwagon. <laughs> well, he just makes so much sense. <laughs> it's just so he obvious. Right? A lot of sense. Yeah. Which is because he, he, he can play second base. Sure. Exactly. Right. Yeah. But, second base know, corner outfield. Yeah. yeah. No, I'm with you on Tolia. You always, like you said, the anecdotal stuff about the, you know, identifying that stuff. You, like, you still like to hear it, even though if it doesn't yeah. actually come into practice. He also has uh, a little bit of versatility. He can be eligible at first base and the outfield. So I like that call. Um, another guy who's just destroying things at, uh, at spring training, Christian Encarnacion Strand, early oh, yeah. early leader for Cactus League uh, MVP honors. Do they, is that a thing? I don't, I don't think it is. No, there, it shouldn't be. <laughs> yeah, 15 for 24, um, four home runs already during Cactus League play coming into to, today's action. He had 32 home runs, 114 RBI, and 122 minor league games last season, his first full year in pro ball. Um, swing and miss in his game. He doesn't really draw walks, so he's not you know, a, a perfect hitter by any means. But as we know, Great American Ballpark can uh, 
cover up it can be a nice deodorant for that type of stuff. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Yeah, and it's it's turned into like by far the the best home run park in the majors. Uh, and I think Encarnacion Strand might actually have an outside shot to win an opening day job. Uh, Joey Votto's situation, he's been mostly playing first base, I believe, Encarnacion Strand. Mm-hmm. And Joey Votto's situation seems very much up in the air. I suspect he's probably going to begin the year on the injured list. Could miss a handful of weeks. So uh, really like Encarnacion Strand as a, as a deeper league play. It seems like the Reds did pretty well in that Tyler Malley trade in the end. It was yeah. Strand and Steer and, and a it's player to be named later. Too, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah. He could be, I mean, he could be the opening day third baseman too. So I think I had two, yeah. two young guys with some, some real like projectable long-term offensive ability. Will Benson, another sleeper on the offensive side of that Reds roster, which I mean, it's pretty scarce of like definite fantasy appeal. We're, we're kind of reaching for some of these guys. Uh, Benson was acquired in a trade from the Guardians in February, did not show well in a short stint in the majors last year in Cleveland, but he posted a 948 OPS with 17 home runs and 89 games at AAA Columbus. Also had 16 steals at AAA and already has quite a few. I think he's up to three stolen bases already this spring in the Cactus League. I think he's got um, five. He's up to five. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah, I, I knew that he was like, and at, at least at near the top of the leaderboard. But yeah, he's probably leading everybody right now. He's a, he's big, a very, he's a big dude, but he can really run. He's a big aggressive player. I'm, I'm surprised the the Guardians were so willing to give him up. They kind of like need a player like that. Yeah, but I don't know. He's not necessarily assured of an opening day roster spot in Cincinnati, um, but. Like we're saying with Encarnacion's Strand and Steer, like it's not a tough nut to crack that lineup, getting into that lineup. Great American ballpark, a nice home environment for Benson to thrive in. Just really like the skill set for fantasy purposes. He shouldn't necessarily be drafted in, in standard leagues, but someone to watch for is like a mini breakout type or to at least be kind of serviceable in a deeper league with, with his pop and wheels. Um, if, if he does wind up getting into an everyday job with the Reds, again, a, a pretty open avenue toward toward him getting regular playing time on that roster. Yeah, I'm into it. He's got, I mean, if he if he performs well, he's certainly got a path to playing time. You know, he's yeah. been playing a good amount of center field. We know. Nick Senzel, it looks like he's going to get back to action soon, but he's a very poor bet to stay healthy. Right. Um, Benson also had like an extreme fly ball rate in the minors. So, I mean, that's going to play pretty well at Great American Ballpark. So I'm into it, especially if you can provide a little speed too. I know this is a home run podcast, but we can talk about, we can talk about the stolen bases as well. Um, yeah. Want to get into some busts here. Uh Adolis Garcia. You're, 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 you're trying to you're trying to wrap this up so you can watch the end of the Mizzou game. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm so Go ahead. Uh, <laughs> yeah, Adolis Garcia. You know, thing with him, the Statcast data looks good, but like he's the plate discipline so bad. Career twenty nine point eight percent strikeout rate, five point five percent walk rate. Uh, his whiff rate in 2021 was in the sixth percentile, and 2022 was in the eighth percentile. He's, I think, older than what most people would assume because he's f- still feels relatively new to the majors, but he's already 30 years old. 
Um, I, I just think, you know, what he does have going for him, the Rangers outfield does not have much depth. Mm-hmm. Um, and Le- Leody Tavares is also a little banged up right now too. So, you know, uh, he should have some leash in that regard, but he just has some bottom out potential. I think uh, that place discipline could just get so bad that in the Rangers, as you mentioned, have spent some money. They want, they at least fancy themselves as, as contenders. Um, I don't know that they'll put up with Garcia if he goes through a just particularly, particularly awful stretch. And I think he has the potential to do that. So when you're using a early round pick, I would prefer not it not be a guy that has, you know, that kind of low floor. I'll say that I don't think Aaron judge is going to set a new ale home run record for the second straight year. I'm going to take the under on 63 homers. If that bet is available, that's my bust Aaron judge. Um, Patrick wisdom stands out like, all right, 25 home runs in 134 games last year, 28 homers in 106 games the year before. But kind of like what you're saying with Adolis Garcia in a way, he feels like a holdover from the previous era of Cubs baseball, like the in-between yeah. years. Um, and now they want to be competitive again. We'll see if they can actually pull that off. I don't know if they spent in the right ways, but Wisdom lacks a lot of the all-around skills to be like a major contributor on an actually good team. Even with that raw power, he has a 214 batting average and 297 on base percentage since the beginning of 2019 season. I think the playing time crash comes this year and maybe even pretty early on. Like put Christopher Morel at third base. Yeah. When Seiya Suzuki comes off the injured list, he's another guy with an oblique. Uh, Mancini and, and Matt Mervis taking up the DH spot if, if you want to play Hosmer at first base. I just, I see wisdom probably getting squeezed out he's fine like as a bench bat but I, I just i don't see him being like the everyday third baseman um once suzuki comes back and morel you know moves it wants to move into the infield i know they're talking about using morel as like just a super utility man but yeah. i would trust morel more with what he brings all around than wisdom yeah i mean i, I talked about adolis garcia's strikeout issues he makes you know he makes he looks like Juan Soto compared to compared to Patrick Wisdom. The yeah. Like the Wisdom stack I state is good. When he makes contact, he hits the ball really hard. But I'm with you. Like there's even more bottom out potential with him than there is with uh with Adolis Garcia. So I like that call. Uh, you know, another guy on the on the Cubs roster. Um I could see Danzy Swanson disappointing from a home run perspective. He hit, I believe, a career-high 27 home runs last year, but strikeouts were up, walks were down. Wrigley, I feel like, has a reputation as a really nice hitter's park, and it certainly can be when the wind's blowing out, but it's actually below average overall for home runs for right-handed batters. And there's also the narrative of a guy, you know, a new contract on a new team. Uh, you know, that's you, it's hard to weigh that. Uh, hard to factor it that in properly, but I think it's certainly a thing. It can be for certain guys. Um, I could see Dansby Swanson being, you know, certainly more of like a 20 homer guy. I, I would be yeah. more surprised if he hit 20 homers than if he hit 30 homers. Let me, well, let me put it that way. Would you have been happy? Uh, how can I phrase this? 
if the Cardinals have had given him that contract. Happy is no. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. I agree. Yeah. And I, I want, I wish that the Cardinals would be more aggressive and get out of their comfort zone. Sometimes I would probably oh, yeah. agree with that, but I don't know if that's the guy that I'd rather them give that money to Carlos Correa, even if his ankle is going to fall off or whatever sure. the Mets doctors were saying, or they like sent him <laughs> the Mets said they showed his exams to like nine different doctors <laughs> and none of them like, okay. Yeah. I don't know. Just being very thorough, Drew. I, I love Carlos Correa, but I'm worried about what's going on there. Yeah. All right. Um, you can watch the end of, or I guess I have one more. Glaber Torres. It's just kind of obvious. Um, I also had him a bust as a bust in the run scored category. It's just like a fair warning that I don't, I don't know if he's going to be on the Yankees opening day roster because mm-hmm. rumors continue to swirl that he's going to be a trade chip for a starting pitcher, which they needed. A, c- a few weeks ago, and they certainly need it even more now. Um, I mean, Glaber Torres to the Marlins for somebody. I don't know. Like, there's there's easy easy ways. There's easy ways to connect the dots to where he's not going to be hitting at Yankee Stadium, and he's not going to be, you know, hitting at the top of the lineup. You know, like f- f- the top of that Yankees lineup. So I, w- I would just be careful about drafting Glaber Torres and expecting him to be a, a thirty homer guy at, at second base for you. Yeah, and even if he doesn't like, even if he stays with the Yankees in that favorable home park, like I think there's kind of some sneaky potential playing time concerns there. Yeah, Lemayhew and yeah, they, I, I mean, mean yeah, they're, they're infield prospects. Yeah, yeah, they loaded with infield prospects. If if you recall, he he was on the bench opening day last year. Glaber Torres was. I distinctly remember that. Uh, so yeah, I mean, if he goes through peaks and valleys, which he certainly could. I, I could see him falling a little bit out of favor. And he, he's just been really inconsistent generally from a home run output perspective. What do you have? Nine home runs in 2021? Yeah, it's been very, very like this. He's like kind of just each year he's like a different hitter. It's, he's a yeah. really hard guy to project. And I don't like hate him, but I just I, don't assume that the situation that he's in right now is the situation that he's going to be in, I would say. Yeah. All right, that'll do it for us. Thanks for tuning in to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast brought to you by Underdog Fantasy and Fantrax. Hopefully we shed some light on ways to attack the home run category. If not, scream at us on Twitter. I'm at Drew Silve. Ryan is at Ryan P. Boyer. Stay tuned for more episodes. We've got one every day of the week now. Peace out.